Well, would you open in your Bibles to Galatians? Today is going to be our last, our last sermon in the book of Galatians, at least for a little while. And we're looking at Galatians chapter 6. Look with me at Galatians chapter 6, verse 11, the first part of our study this morning. Paul says, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. See with what large letters. Why do we use large letters? Like, why do you use all caps, right? Uh, I'm writing you with my own hand. So from, from Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, to Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul has been dictating. He's been doing this. And another thing. And, an, and now he's getting himself so worked up that he reaches over and grabs the pen, grabs the quill out of the, uh, the scribe's hand and shoes him away for a moment and writes himself. Big letters, his own hand. This is where we really see Paul's passion and his heart, his prayer, his hope for the Galatian church really just reaches a crescendo. So Galatians is, is a... More so than most of Paul's letters, it's a very passionate book. It's the first of Paul's letters, probably the first book written in the New Testament. And so maybe it's kind of like he hasn't figured this out yet, but he, he, he lets his passion show. Like, uh, this is the only of Paul's letters that doesn't begin with, um, I'm so thankful for you guys, you're doing such a great job. He starts off in chapter 1, verse 6, he says, um, I am astonished that you have so quickly deserted him who called you in the grace of Christ. That's how he begins. Chapter 3, he picks up, he says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who's cast a spell on you? In chapter 5, verse 12, he says, I wish that those who are troubling you would emasculate themselves. Like, this is sharp, bold language. And here at the very end, he says, Look at the large letters that I am writing to you with my own hand. His heart now is spilling over. And so let's ask Paul this morning, Paul, what is your heart? What are you trying to accomplish with the book of Galatians? What is your heart here? What is your prayer here? What is the, the heart of God for us today in this book? And Paul's heart is revealed here in verse 16. This is his prayer. He says, As for all who walk by this rule, all who walk by this rule, Peace and mercy be upon them. Oh God, I, need your, I want your peace and your mercy to be upon, to bless and to protect those who walk by this rule. Paul's hope in the book of Galatians, his heart, his passion, his prayer for what he's doing with this letter is to see them, and now by the work of the Spirit, to see us live by this rule. By this rule. What does... What does this mean to live by a rule? A rule of life, what Paul's referring to here, a rule of life is something that we believe about ourselves that shapes all that we do. It's something we believe about, about ourselves. It's, it's our identity, right? Galatians is all about the Christian's identity. But it's our identity and how that shapes our sense of purpose. So, in the ancient world, who do you think would have been uh, under rules? Who would have had uh, rules that they had to live by, right? Uh, the rule of life. Soldiers would be one example, right? You're a, you're a part of this 
cavalry. You're, you're the, in the 103 or whatever. And, and we're going to go fight those guys, right? So their, their identity would have been guiding them into their purpose in life. Their identity would turn into their purpose. We see the same thing in way back in the Exodus when God brings the people of Israel out of Egypt. He says, I'm your God. I delivered you. I'm keeping my covenant with you. You are my people, your identity. And so now we're going to go and you're going to be holy. You're going to be holy in this world. You're going to glorify me by being holy. Here's your identity and your identity shapes your purpose. This is what a rule of life is. It's how our identity shapes our purpose. So many times through the book of Galatians, we've asked this question. We want to ask it again a couple times today as we conclude. Who do you think that you are? What do you think that you're for? Who are you? What are you for? You know, so often we approach Scripture with our list of questions. I'm running into this thing at work. I've got this problem at home. I'm having money trouble. I'm having health trouble. I have big existential questions. Bible, tell me. And the Bible comes back with its own questions. It says, those are fine questions, but let me ask you some bigger, deeper questions. You know, when people interact with Jesus, they're always asking Him questions. You know how many questions Jesus has asked that He answers? Almost none. But He turns around and He says, well, let me give you something to think about. Who are you? Right, whatever you and I are facing this morning in our lives, whatever we're up against is going to be shaped by whatever we think we are and whatever we think we're for. Our life is answered by how we, our life is formed by how we answer these questions. Now, when Paul goes and he says, I want you to walk by this rule, well, all that he's doing is he's taking an answer to those questions for us and he's, he's making it clear. This is the rule so that we can live intentionally. Right? How many of us live just totally reactively? Here's a problem. I got to chase it. Here's a new problem. I got to chase this. Here's something I saw on Facebook. Here's something I saw on the news. Oh, now I'm angry about that. We're just, we're just like the cat with the laser dot, right? We're just off and around. But the rule makes clear what our life ought to be shaped by so that we can live with intention. And also, right, a rule kind of helps us know how we're doing. It gives us a tool to reflect on and to assess. So if verse 16, in verse 16, Paul says, I want you, I'm trying to stir up those who will walk by this rule. Where do we get that rule? Well, we should look to the previous two verses, verses 14 and 15. So look with me at Galatians 6, 14 to 15. So Paul says, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Now, Paul's all fired up against his opponents in verses 12 and 13. He's talking about his opponents. And so here he states the rule negatively. But let's, let's rephrase this positively. So back to verse 14. Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's the first part of our rule. Boast in the cross of Christ. That's our first part of our rule. Boast in that. And the second part we get in verse 15. Our, uh, neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but new creation. New creation is what counts. Boast in the cross. New creation is what counts. Where's our identity? Our identity 
is in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. What's our purpose in life? Our purpose is to move towards and to build up new creation. Our identity is defined by the cross. We believe that Jesus changes everything. And he starts with us. Jesus changes everything and he starts with us. Galatians chapters 1 to 4 are all about how the cross of Jesus remakes our sense of who we are, our sense of self. Who do we think we are? Where do we stand in this world before God and and in relation to other people? What do we think we have? Who are we? All the way back in chapter 2, verse 16. He says, We know that nobody is justified by works of the law, but we are justified. We are made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. I I stated this in an offhand way a couple weeks ago, but friends, you're the only people on the planet who are right with the God. Those who have faith in Jesus Christ are the only people who have that assurance, who have that position, who have that standing. A few verses later, he, he... He blows it up even bigger. He says in chapter 2, verse 20, I have been, I, remember we spent a little while on that, I have been crucified with Christ. I don't even live anymore, but Christ lives in me. In the life I live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So many identity rocks. I'm loved. My old life is over, and now the Spirit of Jesus Christ is in me living. Chapter 3, verses 28 to 29. Do you remember this? Paul takes on some of the the primary categories that help us to understand our identity. He takes those on. He says, now in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male nor female. For all who have put their faith in Jesus are one in him. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring. You are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. You are, not those guys. You have. Who are you? What do you have? These are the answers to those questions. And a little bit, and one more spot here in Galatians 4. Galatians 4, 5, Paul says that we have received adoption as sons. And because we are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, So you're no longer a slave, you're a son. And if you're a son, then you're an heir through God. That is who we are. And so when Paul comes in chapter 6, verse 14, he says, far be it for me to boast except in the cross of Christ. That's our boast, who we are. Do Do you boast? Do you boast a lot? Do you brag a lot? Most of us have kind of ironed that out, you know, from our childhood kind of stuff, or we get a little more sophisticated with it. But if, if I pushed you, you would have some sort of uh, favorite identifying qualities. That's what a, that's what a boast is, is a, your favorite identifying qualities. So, so you might not, you know, like the way you look, but if I said, what's your favorite aspect of your appearance, you would have something, right? You might not love your personality, you would be like, oh, it's... But, but if I said, what's, the, what's your favorite thing about your personality? You would have something, right? Everybody's got boasts. What's our boast? What is our, to be our favorite identifying quality? The thing about me that's the best is what Jesus has done to me. 
The thing about me that I love the most is what Jesus has made me. It's not that I got a 3.7 in my high school GPA. It's not that I ran the 40 in, you know, 12 seconds. Is that a thing? That's probably about what I ran it in in high school. It's not that I did all these things. The greatest thing about me, the thing that I'm most excited about, is that now I am a child of God. Now I can walk up to the God of the universe and say, please, can I have these things? Now I can lay hold of the Spirit and the Spirit's work in my life. These are my favorite things about myself now. Our boast is what Jesus did. The book of Galatians was written to these Christians, these early first Christians, to convince them to celebrate and defend what Jesus did to them. Not celebrate and defend what Jesus did. This isn't a, a battle with Bill Nye or, or you know, the Science Channel or something. This is celebrate and defend what Jesus did to you. They're feeling insecure about their standing. They're feeling insecure about their relationship with the Spirit. They're feeling insecure about their freedom. And Paul writes to make, them, to make clear to them who they are in Jesus. So I learned something about pigeons this last week that I found really interesting. So pigeons are birds, and uh, birds gather together in flocks, and every flock has a pecking order, right? A pecking order. And in in pigeon communities, uh, the pecking order is solely defined by who's the heaviest. So biggest, strongest, heaviest, push push each other around or whatever. Uh, So... So the pigeons with the most, the most heaviness, the most glory, the, they're, they're the ones at the top of the pecking order. So scientists, I don't know why scientists are messing with pigeons. I don't know why they're doing this. It's like, you know, there's nothing, nothing better to do. And who's paying for this? Probably we are. Although there's worse uses for our money maybe. But. So these scientists, they take these pigeons and they look for the scrawniest, weakest pigeons. They look for the pigeons that are not noble according to the standards of the world. Not, not many pigeons that are rich and powerful or, or of high birth. They, they pick these pigeons. And what they do is they attach weights to them. They don't bulk them up. They don't put them on like a sumo diet. They just literally take, they take a glory, they take a heaviness from outside of the pigeons. And they attach it and they put it on the pigeons. And those pigeons begin to immediately take on the characteristics of the dominant pigeons they immediately begin to boast and brag. They immediately begin to push themselves around and they become, they slowly but surely move up to be the top of the pecking order, even though they're the scrawniest, but they've got this gift of glory placed upon them. And so they they, they feel that. They're not, you know, when the other pigeons make fun of them, they 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 don't even hear it. Because they know, they know what they've been given. They know who they are. <laughs> Paul's writing Galatians to help his, his congregation feel the weight of what they've been given in Christ. So they don't walk around feeling insecure, scared, nervous. They walk around feeling like we have something to boast about. I know who I am. I know what I have. And that identity is necessary for our rule but not by itself. The author Wendell Berry, he says, uh, if you don't know where you're from, we have to know where we're from, but he says, if you don't know where you're from, you're going to have a hard time knowing where you're going. 
you don't know where you're from, you're going to have a hard time knowing where you're going. And so our identity is defined by the cross, boasting in who we are in Jesus, boasting in what Jesus has done for us. But our purpose now is directed toward new creation. We said last week that Jesus changes everything. His work on the cross changed everything. And he is launching that everything-changing revolution by the power of his Spirit through beautiful new creation communities, through local churches. That's where the Spirit is bringing the cross work of Jesus into this world. You know, new creation is something that is that God's going to do when he fixes everything. It's a future thing. It's an up there thing. But Paul's saying, no, 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 by the Spirit now, that's dragged into the present. What Jesus accomplished on the cross and is absolutely perfectly done is there in the heart and mind of God, but the Spirit brings that down and makes it a reality here. And so Paul wants us directed to the new creation. In fact, he says, look here again in, in chapter 6, verse 15, Neither circumcision counts for anything. I know we've talked about this before, but for the Apostle Paul, for most of his life, for the Jewish people for the last several thousand years, circumcision was one of the only things that counted. And now Paul, a Jew of the Jews, he says it doesn't count for anything. The only thing that counts is new creation. So Galatians 1-4 to is all about the Christian's identity. Galatians 5 to 6 is all about how the new creation redefines our sense of purpose. It, this is what God wants to be your answer when you reflect on what am I for? What am I for? Where am I going? Why are we here? Galatians 5.1 begins this section with Paul saying, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Right? We're free now. Where are we going? We're free. Let's go. And he begins in chapter 5, verse 6, just how, almost reflecting exactly how he ends in in chapter 6, verse 15, but in chapter 5, verse 6, he says, In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. So the building blocks of the new creation, that's the only thing that counts. He develops this in chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Verse 24, this is what those who belong to Christ Jesus put on. This is what they live for. He goes on in verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let's not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone's caught in a transgression, you who are following the Spirit should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Verse 2, let's bear one another's burdens. Verse 15, new creation is the only thing that matters. Our purpose is now directed toward building, toward enjoying, to building, establishing, protecting the new creation. And we need, these, we need these two things in our lives. We need two fixed points in order to navigate, right? When you pull up Google Maps, you have to put in two things to get directions. You have to have two fixed points. If you only have one, if you, if you know where you are, if you, if, you, if you don't know where you are but you know where you want to be, you're lost. If you know where you are but you don't know where you want to be, you're stuck. So you've got to have two fixed points. And for us, we have the cross of Jesus. This is our identity. And we have 
the new creation. That's our direction. That's our purpose. That's who we are. That's what we're for. These are the rules of our lives. These are, this is the rule that shapes our life. So let me ask you again. Who do you think you are? And what do you think you're for? But there's so many answers to this question that have nothing to do with Jesus and the work of the Spirit. There's so many, I, I, so many of us guys, right? We define ourselves by our work. So many of us define ourselves by what we have, by what we can accumulate, by money. We define ourselves by things that happened to us in our childhood or accomplishments, that we, things we overcame, things that we achieved, accolades we've gotten from our work or from our community that we're in. We define ourselves by these things. But this is the this is what those who this is the rule for those who follow Jesus. So Paul's passion, his prayer is to stir up people who will live their lives from the cross for the new creation. The cross creates us as a new creation people. The cross turns us into people who can say this. I'll do anything for Jesus. That's new creation. I'll do I'll do anything to build a new creation because I've found everything in Jesus. And what he did for me. I found everything in Jesus. I'll do anything for Jesus. I'll do anything for Jesus because I have found everything in Jesus. So Paul prays for those who will walk by this rule. He says, peace and mercy be upon them. Which is kind of a, a, a Greek, a New Testament way of the ancient blessing that we hear so often at our church. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Peace and mercy be upon you. Blessing and keep you. Because... They need this because those who desire to live by this rule are going to be opposed. They're going to be tempted. Friends, if you and I forget who we are and what we're for, our enemy doesn't. Our enemy knows exactly who we are. Our enemy has researched Galatians and it's in a, it's a, it's in a poster in their war room. The enemy knows who we are. The enemy knows what we're for. And it's going to oppose and undermine and tempt us away. And that's what Paul begins this section with in verses 12 and 13. He says, It's those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that would force you to be circumcised. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. They want to put on a good show so that they can get themselves comforts. They don't want to be persecuted. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. It's all a sham. But they desire to have you circumcised so they may boast in your flesh. They want to force this on you so they can, they, they can gloat about what they've accomplished. This is the temptation for us. To leave off from, from the cross as our identity and the new creation as our purpose and to go back into the world kind of putting on a good show, marching in steps so that we can get the good comforts and we can feel like we've accomplished good things. This is going to be the temptation for us. We are going to be tempted, just as the Galatians were, to question our identity. We're going to doubt our boasts. This is why, this is why Paul wrote Galatians, because they're doubting what should be their boasts. I mean, Galatians says, we say, we should say, we say, I am right with God. I am absolutely right with God. But then the week goes by and you think, but am I? I don't know. I thought I was, but then I did some stuff. I thought I was, but then these things happened, and now I don't know. 
We say, we celebrate, we sing about that Jesus' work is finished. It's finished. It is enough for me. It's absolutely enough for me. But then the week goes by and, and we have some thoughts. We do some things. We fall back into some attitudes and we say, how can it be enough for me if I'm, st if I'm doing this again? I thought it was enough for me last week, but then this week happened. And now I don't know if what Jesus did is enough for me. We talk about how we are Christ. We are Christ's people. Our identity is as Jesus' flock. We're Christians. But then sometimes we go out into the world and people say, well, you're Christian. Well, that's not enough. I want you to identify yourself by your race, by your, by your nationality, by your allegiances, by your education, by your occupation, by your political viewpoints. You need to add some things to that identity because it's not enough. Paul emphasizes, and we know that we are where the Spirit of God is. We, we are where the Spirit of God works in this world. But then you, you live your week and you go, God, what do I have to do to get more of the Spirit doing the stuff that I want Him to do in my life? I just am not seeing it. And so it's so easy then for our boast to slip away from being what Jesus did to begin to try to be in what we're doing. But we've forced. These guys are trying to force the Galatians to get circumcised so that they can boast about things. What have we forced? How have we bent the world to our will? So we can feel good about ourselves. We're going to be tempted to doubt our boasts and to shift our direction. And there's really only one direction that we can go, right? If, if what Jesus did is not done, if he didn't do it, then we have to go back and fix it. We need this. We need what Jesus did. But if he didn't do it, if he didn't do it all, then we got to go do, we got to go help out at least, right? We got to go do our part. We got to go do some of it. And so this is what the works of the law were. They weren't saying, like, deny Jesus and what he did on the cross. They are saying, man, that was so great. Let's sing about him, but also let's go and help him out. Let's do our contribution to what Jesus did. Let's work this law. Paul goes on, remember, he talks about the elementary principles of the world, which is basically how uh, just find the best law, you know, seven habits of highly effective people, all the different book titles, right? Find the best law, work it to the best of your ability so that you can get your best life. And so the purpose of our life shifts from building the new creation community and it shifts to having it nice. Right? Who here doesn't like having it nice? Right? We want nice. And so this is a temptation for us. And there's a strong logic to these temptations, right? Here's the logic of these temptations. Are you suffering? Anybody in here suffering? Anybody in here having a bad time of, of anything in their life? Are you suffering at all? Well, I rest my case. That's the logic. Are you suffering? Okay. Right? If you're living with sufferings, if you don't have all sorts of stuff to boast about, how is it that God loves you? Right? Even saying that stuff out loud, you're like, oh, yeah, oh. How is it that you think he's blessed you? you? You have the Spirit of God in your life. I don't know. It doesn't seem like it, Right? So this is where the Galatians are. This is why Paul's saying, that don't, don't, go, don't slide back into this. Live by this rule, not by this rule. Live from the cross for the new creation. Don't go back into the show. Don't go back into the show. He says they're not even doing it themselves. It's all a game. How do we know, though? How do we know that we, if we're following the rule, right, or if we're just being fools? Look at me at verse 17. From now on, Paul says, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. 
I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. This is something that soldiers would carry. They would be scarred. They would be branded. Slaves would be marked. They would be branded. They would, be, they would bear some kind of mark on them. Circumcision was a mark. It was a mark of affiliation with the Jewish people. It was an identity issue. How are we identified by our affiliation with Jesus? How are we identified with, with him? Paul says, I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Here's how you know you're following this rule. Those who bought, walk by this rule in this world will be marked by it. You will be marked by it. Now, sometimes that mark, sometimes that scarring, sometimes that is going to be a physical thing. Right? The persecuted church, Paul's own story. It's going to be the, the, the scars of shackles. It's going to be the scars of, of whip marks. But sometimes that mark is not going to be physical. Some of you have been Christians for a while. Some of you have, have, have put yourself out there. You've tried to make disciples. You've tried to share your faith. You've tried to encourage people to walk closer to Jesus. You carry those marks, don't you? Because it didn't go the way you hoped it would. You've prayed the same prayer week in and week out for years. And you're marked. You're always going to be marked. I'm marked. Emotionally, spiritually, mentally. Janisha's marked. Tony's marked. Anita's marked. Brian's marked. Christine's marked. All of you who have taken those steps toward building new creation who more and more live your life in alignment with the identity that is provided to us in Jesus on the cross, you know these marks. You carry them. You bear them. That's how you know, friends, that's how you know, here's what Paul's saying, that's how you know that his crucifixion has touched you. Some of that pain has come into your life too. And that's how you know that you're not living for what the world offers. Because you don't have it. But you're living for what the Spirit gives. These are the marks of our rule. That I'll do anything for Jesus because I found everything in Him. Well, that's a, that's a downer. That's, right, so what do we have now to end the book of Galatians to kind of strengthen us for this temptation, for this struggle? Here's how he ends the book of Galatians, verse 18. Now the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. What we have to help us is grace. We have this grace. Paul began the book of Galatians in chapter 1, verse 4. He said, he says, Grace be to you from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself. He gave himself. The grace of God is Jesus himself. We have all this love, we have all this freedom, we have all this, this hope, and it's absolutely secure. It's ab absolutely secure because all of it comes to us in Jesus himself. It's not something that he can forget to do. It's not something that's outside of him. It's him. 
It's all tied up and locked up in him, and it is absolutely secure. But what does Paul say there? This grace be with your spirit. You have to feel it. We have to feel this. Right? Like like the pigeons. (laughs) This, This glory, this heaviness has to come, and we've got to feel heavier. We've got to feel more powerful. We've got to feel more stable thanks to what Jesus has done for us. You know, I think this is really interesting. Throughout the book of Galatians, you know, Paul's, he's talked about doing good things, right? He's talked about faith working through love. He's talked about, hey, let's bear each other's burdens. He's talked about, hey, let's do good to all kinds of people. He talks about working towards the new creation. But notice how it ends. It ends with this question. It ends with, what's in your spirit? That's, that's the critical link. What's in your spirit? But if we don't believe that the cross is an everything-changing grace, if we don't believe that the new creation is a grace that we need, that we love, that we have found it, if we don't believe that, we're going to drift. We're going to drift back into the show. We're going to go for validation and comfort and security through work, through religion, through sin. And so Paul ends the book of Galatians, and we're ending our study of the book of Galatians with a blessing here, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with your spirit, which is kind of a kind of a question. It's kind of a question that Paul has been asking throughout his entire letter. What is going to be your relationship? After you finish this letter, what is going to be your relationship with grace? Do you need it? Do you love it? Have you found it? Where'd you get it from? So he asks the Galatians throughout the letter, are you going to desert grace? This is how he opens in chapter 1, verse 6. I'm astonished that you've deserted him who called you in grace. Are you going to keep up with this? Are you going to desert grace? Are you going to treat grace as meaningless? Are you going to back away from grace? This is what he's been asking them through the book of Galatians. And this question hits these fundamental ones. Do you, these are, this is identity question. Do you need grace? What are you? Who are you? Do you need grace? And where are you going to get it? Where is there grace to be found in this whole wide world? Who are you? What are you for? We are those who need grace. And we are those who have gotten grace from Jesus. We are those who know where all the grace is. We know where all the grace is. So let us be those who live by grace. That's our identity. Who live for grace. That's our purpose. And let those be our rule. Would you close your eyes? Pray with me. It's maybe still a little bit too early in the day to be thinking really about who am I and what am I for, but I want you to think about that. I want you to at least in the the quiet moment now, ask the Lord to work in you so that what Jesus did means more for you. 
and that what Jesus is doing means more for you? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for this this beautiful letter from the Apostle Paul to the church at Galatia that still is so powerful and true for us today. Lord, we, we want to be a people, we want to be people who walk by that rule. We want to be people with grace in our spirit. Who know who we are and who know what we're for. And so, Lord, would you pour out your love through your Spirit, whom you have given us. And Spirit, work to help us see more clearly who we are in Christ. And help us to live more in alignment with your own heart, to live for new creation more and more. Please bless this word in our hearts and minds and watch over it. In Jesus' name, amen.